The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Pre-Med Year, session number 422. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. What would you do if you didn't get into medical school the first time? What would you do if you didn't get in the second time? What would you do if you didn't get in the third time? What would you do if you didn't get in the fourth time? That's what our guest today, Michael, had to decide. Each time, not getting an acceptance. Only one interview invite the previous four application cycles. His fifth cycle, though, was his best. We're going to talk all about his journey to medical school right now. Michael, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Dr. Gray. I'm excited to chat with you uh, because of the email that you sent me. I actually posted that email to my Instagram stories because a lot of people need to hear success stories of students who have been rejected from medical school not once, not twice, multiple times, but have figured out what to improve, where where you went wrong, and ultimately that success of getting into medical school. So I want to start with the success, which I, I normally don't start with the success. This was your fifth application cycle? Fifth time applying. That's right. Fifth time applying. What was it like to finally get that acceptance? Uh. You know, I kind of, I I had the mindset going in uh, this cycle that this was going to be it. Not that this was the the time that I didn't get in, I would give up. But I really came in with an attitude of, I'm not going to give any medical schools a reason not to give me a shot. Um, So, I mean, it was definitely exciting. I got into a great school that I'm I'm very happy to be going to. Um, But it really, it was very validating that all of the hard work um, uh, sacrifices really paid off this time. Um, so it, yeah, that, that's all I can say. It, it was very validating. Um, uh, I kind of, you know, when you do the right things, um, success should take care of itself. And that's kind of yeah. the attitude that I had going into this application cycle. And it just, it, it, it happened. Yeah. Well, let's, let's lead off of that. When you do the right thing, success will follow. That tells me potentially you weren't doing the right things with the four previous 
application cycles. Let's go back to application cycle one with young Michael, uh, yes. fresh, fresh in college or out of college, wherever you were at the point, at that point, mm-hmm. what do you think as, as you were going through that process with the, the, your first application cycle, what do you think it was that held you back in that first cycle? Um, so, so I think that's, it's the case of my first two cycles is really, I made, um, really all the mistakes that you caution against, like my, my personal statement was basically just a rehash of my resume. Um, I had recommendation letters from, um, just professors where I was one person out of a hundred and all I was, was a, an A in their class. They didn't really know me personally. Um, my MCAT score was, uh, pretty atrocious. So this was going back to the old MCAT. I had taken it twice at this point and got a 23 both times, which I think now wouldn't even break a 500. Um, so I really, I I really didn't know what I was doing. I, I really struggled reaching out for help, um, when I was an undergrad. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think all of those things combined really, uh, it is the story of why I was not successful. So really, I don't like to um, count the first two times because looking back, uh, I'm kind of thinking to myself, what was I thinking? Yeah. Um, no, there's no way you would have gotten in knowing what I know now. <laughs> knowing what you know um, now. It's a powerful yeah, statement. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So um, I, I think all of those things combined, the the poor writing, the, the um, poor recommendation letters, and then the poor MCAT scores, I really did not have a shot. What was your GPA compared to that MCAT score? Uh, it was a 3-3. Three, three. So I okay. guess that too. And I, yeah. I think I just, I'd heard stories that it was possible to get in with low stats, but I didn't really know that um, behind that was a really powerful story yeah. um, to explain why the low stats happened, which my my writing um, really did not convey that I deserved to to be one of those people with low stats and, and be admitted into medical school. Yeah. So you're, you're a perfect example of the, the story that I tell all the time of why we can't necessarily look at the double AMC stats and go, Oh my gosh, my chance of getting into medical school is only 40% because there are so, so, so many students like yourself who apply to medical school and the way I say it is who have no business applying to medical school, mm-hmm. right? A, tw- a 23 on your MCAT is, is probably like a 495 ish. If I were to guess, I, I, I haven't looked at the conversion, um, with a lower M a lower GPA, a, not a good application story in general, right? You, mm-hmm. someone should have said, Michael, like, you shouldn't apply to medical school this cycle. Like I'm not telling you, you shouldn't apply to medical school period, but you're not ready this cycle. And, and obviously that showed with the results. Did you get any interviews, any interest from anyone? Uh, No, not at all. Okay. Which is what I would expect. So perfect example of that, right? A lot of students are applying without any of the information necessary 
to make their application strong uh, and applying with some, some false hopes, applying with some, uh, I always, I can, can never remember the word, naiveness Na- or naivete. Naivete, yes. It's yep. a fit, it's too fancy of a word for me. I'm, <laughs> I'm too basic for that word. Um, and, and, uh, and just get through a process and are completely disheartened. And, and where I get frustrated as, as, as someone who does this now in my life and helping people is there are people like you who don't have the resources to apply to medical school five times and they give up after one cycle or two cycles because from a financial standpoint, they can't keep doing it. And and those are mm-hmm. amazing physicians potentially we're losing because the information wasn't available for them to put together a strong application to begin with. So with that said, I, I want to go to why potentially you lacked some of that information. Was it was it a reluctance to seek help? Was it a lack of availability of it pre-health advisors at your university? What where do you think the the lack of support came from? Uh it, it really came down to me just being very resistant to seeking out help. Um, which really explains my 3-3 GPA as well. I really struggled my first semester in undergrad. I had no idea how to study, mm-hmm. um, but I never went to go see my professor. I just, you know, sat myself out in the library, read, reread chapters, which I know now is not a great way to learn effectively. Um, and then likewise, when it came to um, seeking my pre-health advisor, I just didn't really go until it was too late. In fact, I did go my junior year just to check in with uh, her. And she basically said what you said was, hey, I'm not saying don't apply ever, but you probably shouldn't apply this year. So I even pushed back um, the date of my first application where many people apply the summer going into their senior year. Mm. Um, I applied um, the summer after graduating from college. Um, so, So it really was, the onus really was on me um, and my unwillingness to to seek out help. Okay. But it sounds like potentially you, you took a little bit of that advice delaying your first application cycle uh, because of some feedback, which is good. Where do you think after getting that, the, the feedback from the first application cycle, what did you do to change the second application cycle? Uh, <laughs> to be completely honest, basically nothing. Um, I had about probably two years of working under my belt and a little bit of uh, some more volunteer work just through the, uh, I'm a teacher. I, I teach and I coach mm-hmm. um, high school. Um, so I had, um, I had that to add to my application. Um, I got to involved in some um, volunteer opportunities through the school that I teach at. Um, but other than that, um, there was really not a whole lot else to add. I guess I did, I did take the MCAT again. So this would have been the third time that I took it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of hard to keep up with the timeline and which MCAT went to what <laughs> application. But um, for my third MCAT score, I got a 504. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing, too, that you say all the time is med schools want consistency. I had clinical experience, um, some shadowing opportunities, but I really didn't keep up with it after college. Um, and I guess that's another mistake that I made my first, you know, three application cycles is that I just focused on one thing. Um, 
you know, like my second application, I, I did improve my MCAT a little bit, like a 504 isn't horrible, but it's not really going to wow anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, where as opposed to the focusing on the whole complete application, um, other than a new, I don't know, mediocre MCAT score and a couple years of work experience, there really wasn't much more that I added to it. Yeah. And that's, it's such a great, uh, kind of assessment self-reflection is a lot of students will go, okay, stats, stats. I, I need, I need a better MCAT score and nothing else really matters. And you got a better MCAT score, but the, definitely the rest of your application really matters and not enough people mm-hmm. pay attention to that. I, I want to focus on the MCAT for two seconds because your score drastically went up from a, a 23 on the old scoring to a 504. That's about a mm-hmm. 10 point increase. How did you do that? Uh, I think the big difference was I, I used the AAMC materials. So I did take a prep course in college from a third party um, prep course, but they really, it, all the materials we used was just from the prep course. I really wasn't that familiar that the AAMC, which puts on the MCAT, released their own um, practice MCATs. And at that mm-hmm. time with the old MCAT, there were up to like 10 um, practice MCATs that the AMC had made that I just didn't know about. Yeah. And, and again, I, I don't want to put the blame on other people. This is something that had I been more um, forthcoming and, and seeking out help with a pre-health advisor and maybe people that had gone before me, I would have known about. Um, but only using a third-party source really didn't help me. So I think getting more used to the way that the AMC asks questions helped me out. And additionally too, um, I teach, um, physics and chemistry and it it really is true. The best way to learn something is by teaching it. And I really, even though it was a 504, I believe on that one, I, I knocked physics and the chemistry section out of the water just because I had been teaching it for a couple of years by that point. Yeah. When it came to your third application cycle, did you get any interviews at that point? So my third application cycle, I got one interview. Okay. And what happened on that interview? You know, I actually think the interview went very well. Um, it was an MMI. And what I found was that after working for a few years, I really could very easily go back to my work experience when asked about how I would handle a certain situation um, and really speak pretty eloquently about it just because I had similar situations that I had dealt with. Um, but I think really what it came down to is when they looked at my whole application at, at the interview, it still came down to, listen, this guy hasn't had any recent clinical experience since college. Um, it doesn't really matter how good his interview went or how, how well crafted his essays were. Um, it, that, that was really holding me back. Is that, an assumption or was that specific feedback that you got? So um, I I did ask for feedback, not from that school, because I don't think they offered feedback. I'm just assuming that they did. But when I talked to an admissions representative from another school that I had applied to, um, that's what I was told that um, really she suggested that I get a master's um, an SMP just to show that I, I was academically qualified yep. and also to get more shadowing and clinical experience because, um, it, it had been since undergrad since I had had any. Yeah. And, and I want to just reiterate 
Uh, one more time for someone listening to this who, who may be new to the pre-med years and, and listening to me and they hear you say that like I have I had all this experience in undergrad why does it matter if I have something new and and I just want to reiterate again you are trying to apply to a profession right that that you are saying I want to do this thing for the rest of my life theoretically, right? That's that's the whole point of this application cycle to medical school. And you are saying that I know that this is what I want to do, that, right? I'm applying here. Mm-hmm. I, I want to go a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt. Why not? Uh, and, and suffer through four years of medical school, at least three years of residency, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if your actions, i.e. the activities that you are doing, do not reflect that, then there's a huge disconnect somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so schools are very hesitant to offer interviews and acceptances because of that. So it's, it's not like there's a checklist and they want you to have a certain number of hours. They want to make sure that you know what the heck you're getting into and, and not just because you had a bunch of hours a long time ago. Right. And I think that's something that I really learned from you and listening to your podcast is that you know, I, I looked at shadowing and clinical experience as proving to myself that I wanted to get into this. And, mm-hmm. you know, I shadowed an OBGYN and loved it. I, I did hospice care and loved it. You know, so for, to me, I was like, well, I've already done these things. I already know I've proven to myself that I want to do it. But like you said, you know, it's not just proving to yourself. You have to show the medical schools that you, you really know what you're getting into. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... Third application cycle, some improvement. You got an interview. That's exciting. MMI, you've had some life experience. So the MMI is relatively easy. I, I think the MMIs are fun when you handle them well. Um, no acceptance. What was that like? Third third time, you finally get that interview and then to not get an acceptance and, and going to that realization that you're going to have to do this all over again. I mean, it was pretty devastating. And I just to paint a picture, we had... Um, uh, like I said, I, I coached baseball. So we, I had just been finished with a game and we just got absolutely shelled, run ruled. <laughs> and so I was just sitting in the dugout waiting for GB to start. And I opened up my email and then um, that's when it came, like the, the update letter that I wasn't going to be able to get accepted. Um, and it really was devastating. But I will say that um, when I interviewed... I really felt like I belonged. Like I felt that I was just as smart as any of the other applicants that are interviewing. I felt like the interview went really well that I really did have in me. So yeah, it it definitely was devastating again. Um, And and just with the knowledge that this was going to take more work. Um, But it it also kind of showed me too that uh, I really did have it in me um, to apply, get an interview um, and then ultimately some, so hopefully someday get an acceptance. Talk about it from a, a financial perspective, right? A- applying to medical school isn't cheap unless you're applying to Texas medical schools, which is capped at, at a certain number for the application cycle. So that, that definitely helps. What was it from a, uh, from a financial standpoint, whether doing a master's, the application fees, secondary fees, um, MCAT fees, all of that stuff. What, what was that thought process like? You know, I, 
I, I am pretty frugal. I, I paid for my college and had done a very good job of paying back my loans. And I, I would teach summer school courses to save some money too. Um, so when I was working, um, at least for me, having a salary job, it like it definitely does take a hit if you're p- spending like three grand a an application cycle. Um, so I think if you work full time, it's it's definitely doable, um, and that's what I would say because I've I've done it <laughs> a couple times. Um, but when I went to go get my master's. Um, you know, if you're not working full time, if you have to take a part time job, it, it's kind of a give and take, right? Because you're doing, if you're working full time, you're making enough money to to finance this. But many of the things that medical schools require, just the the amount of sheer time that it takes to get these things done, like completing a master's and getting clinical experience, if you have a full time job, it it's not always very feasible. So I was able to do the things that I needed to do by. Um, quitting my job, going for a master's and being a full-time student again. But I basically blew five years worth of savings to get my master's and applied again. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say other than that. That really sucks having to to do that. But at the same time, I just kind of viewed it as an investment mm. um, in, in something that I always dreamed about doing. Yeah, that's good. All right. So, the difference between third application cycle and fourth application cycle, what are you doing in that interim to improve? So another mistake I made for my fourth application, you would think that I would be getting better at this, is that um, I had applied to a few schools with the hope that after my first semester of my SMP, I could send an update with my um new updated grades, hope, hoping that that would give me enough to get a shot from some schools. Mm. And it just, it just wasn't by, by December when I'm sending the, my final transcripts and the, the, my new hours with shadowing and, and, uh, clinical volunteer work, it just was not enough, yeah. um, to and get it, any interviews. I, I, I want to, to just drive that home a little bit more. A lot of students do what you did and and rely on an update letter to say, look, I'm doing better. Take a look at me. And usually when that happens, the update comes too late. And and so for students out there, and, and some schools don't even take update letters, so it doesn't matter. Now, TMDSAS is a little bit different because TMDSAS, you can update your grades in TMDSAS and, and they'll push it out to all of the schools. So it's a little bit different. Um, but I I generally will give the advice to students, if you need right, need uh, those improved grades to prove academic readiness and capability, do not apply until you have those grades like under your belt, like Mm -hmm. on a transcript, (laughs) done, solid, final grades, uh, ready to rely on, or else you're you're just wasting another application cycle, um, hoping that a school will take an update, 
hoping that you get the grades that you're expecting to get. And there's just lots of hope. It's funny. I'm a huge tech nerd. And, and there's a saying in the tech world for some people that I, that I follow in the tech world is don't buy a product because of the promise of some update that's coming later, right? <laughs> Make sure mm-hmm. that that updates there and it's working before you actually buy the product if that's what you want in that product. So it's just kind of the same thing with app, the application and improved grades. So with that, you, this fourth application cycle is kind of you're in the middle of your SMP. You're hoping that the grades are going to improve. Did you get any interviews fourth application cycle? No interviews. Were you doing extra clinical experience, shadowing, getting those experiences back under your belt? I was. So the, the summer that before I started my SMP, I got in touch with the, the mother of a former student of mine, actually, who's a family medicine doctor. And I would really, if you have the ability to shadow a family medicine doctor, I would really encourage you, those listening to do that, not just because I think it's great, but also she was very gung-ho about getting me experience with specialists that she refers her patients to. Oh, nice. Um, so yeah, it was awesome. I saw cardiology, orthopedics, urology, oncology. Um, I'm probably missing a couple because she was just so amazing and, and wanting me to uh, get this experience. And then I also started um, volunteering with hospice again, which is what I had done in college um, for volunteer experience as well. Yeah. Well, very cool. So, so you're getting some shadowing experience, uh, some hospice you're doing your SMP for you. Let's, let's talk about the SMP. So your undergraduate grades, not horrendous, not outstanding. Where, or how did you decide where you wanted to do a master's degree versus doing a, a post back undergraduate post back? And, and how did you look at programs to apply to? So it really was based on the advice of the admissions uh, representative that I talked to. She she told me um, that I really needed a master's to prove that I could handle medical school. Mm. And where I'm at in Texas, um, there's, there's a few really good, well-established um, S&P programs. And I asked her, um, does it really matter where I go? And she told me, no, a master's is a master's. Mm. Um, as long as you do well, um, it, it should really help your application. So I, I've been living in the same city for the past, basically since graduating from, from college, so six years. And there was actually a new uh, S&P um, just for pre-professional students um, like myself that had opened up at the university in town. Um, and I was a part of their second year. So after being told that, you know, it really doesn't matter where I go get my S&P, um, just the ability to not have to move. Um, I, I'd gotten close to, to fellow colleagues that I'd worked with and knowing that I could um, go visit them and, and still go to baseball games on Friday nights um, really sealed the deal um, just to stay where I was at and, and try to knock this master's out of the park. How did you approach your studying so that the, the same mistakes that you had in undergrad weren't continued in your master's program? So before I uh, entered, I, I read a really remarkable book called um, Make It Stick. And then uh, on the Facebook page, uh, the pre-med hangout, whenever I see someone that posts something like, oh, I just can't get the hang of studying, I, I always 
try to comment and say, you need to read, make it stick. Um, that's, really that's the, very funny. Cause I've read that book and it's definitely a marketing book. So I'm in, very interested in how, <laughs> well, it, it's all about, it, it discusses ineffective study strategies, which happen to be the most common and popular study strategies, like rereading chapters, highlighting, taking notes. Oh, make, and, it, make it stick. So there's yes. a marketing book called Made to Stick that I was oh, okay. thinking of. So make it stick. So different. All right. M-A-K-E, right. Yeah. make to stick. Make, right. make it stick. Yeah. Got make it. it stick. All right. So then it also discusses like really effective study strategies. So things like, um, space repetition, changing up the variety of your, your studying, um, things like that. And I really, I implemented a lot of those strategies, um, into my master's program. Mm -hmm. And that made a huge difference because in college, if I didn't understand something, I was just reread the chapter over and over again. And then just to come to find out that that really is not a, a very effective way to learn. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is, um, knowing that I really struggled reaching out for help in college and, uh, and I, I had a lot of really great mentorship as a teacher. I, I avoided a lot of like challenges that, um, first and second year teachers face because I had really great mentorship. Mm. Um, but just coming to that realization that it's okay to go seek help, go to office hours. If you, there's no need to suffer in silence. Um, you know, I do love solving problems, but if I'm not getting it, um, like just go talk to the professor. So I think um, implementing really effective study strategies and being willing to go ask for help to to go to study groups, um, all those things combined really helped me do very well in my SMP as opposed to where when I was in college, I, I really struggled ac- academically. Yeah. Okay. So. Fourth application cycle is the one where your grades weren't back from your SMP, uh, so that didn't help. Had you retaken the MCAT, or were you still sitting on that 504? I had retaken before and had gotten a 506. Okay, so So, a slight little bump. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about, um, so any interviews that fourth time or no? No interviews, no. No interviews. And how many schools are you applying to at this point? Are you applying to MD and DO? Uh, what did that look like? So I really was focused on staying in Texas. Um, so I, you know, this is where I'm from. And like you said, TMDSAS is very um, relatively cheap to apply to. Um, so I did apply to TCOM, um, which is our um, osteopathic school um, in Fort Worth. And there's a couple more now. Yep. Um, and I did, there's another, um, DO school through a Comus, uh, in my hometown in San Antonio that I applied to as well, but still, um, no luck. All right. So coming off of the fourth application cycle, you, you obviously have your masters, uh, that you're in the process of, did you turn around pretty quickly that between the fourth and fifth time and say, okay, I'm going to submit another application cycle. I, I know my master's grades are in, or at least my first, uh, first semester, my second semester should be in before I submit. Um, it, did you turn around pretty quickly and submit your fifth application cycle at that point? I did. So, um, you know, I was gearing up for my fifth app MCAT a- attempt and I was supposed to take it in March of 2020. Um, <laughs> what happened? I don't know. <laughs> well, it got canceled. 
and it got canceled again. I think it got canceled three times before yep. I was I was able to take it in July. Um, so other than the MCAT, everything was basically ready to go. I had been working on my um, my personal statement since probably February. Um, I, I had really good letters this time from people that actually knew me well and, and personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had taken some time to, to write, you know, as you say, stories in my um, activity wow. descriptions. Um, so other than that MCAT, it, it, was, it was all ready to go. So I, I still submitted before the, my fifth MCAT came back, um, but everything else was, was good to go. What was the the thought process? You you mentioned earlier, right? This is this is the time I'm going to get in. What if you didn't get in? Did did you go through that thought process? I did, and I I basically um, told myself that you know if I need to apply ten times to get in, I'm going to do it because I've spent. I know this is what I want to do, and I've spent way too much time and money for this not to work out but also in the back of my head, really hoping that I don't have to apply another time. Um, so yeah, that, that was basically my mindset that, um, you know, I was going to make it very hard for a medical school not to give me a shot, but at the same time, if I needed to, um, I was going to apply again. Cause I just, I just know in my heart of hearts that this is what I want to do. What are friends and family members telling you at this point? Uh, so my parents are really supportive. They they knew that this is what I've wanted to do since basically high school and and probably before. Um, so they really supported me, and they um, th- th- I'm very fortunate to have parents that said, "Okay, if this is what you want to do, we we know this is we know it's right that you know you've been talking about this forever. Like, go for it." Um, and my friends were pretty supportive too. Uh, most of them you know, now, um, weren't pre-med, they, they work in other lines of work. So they don't, they're not really in the pre-med world. Um, so they're, they're supportive as well. I'm very fortunate that no one really looked at me. It was like, oh, you're in your late twenties. You're, you're giving up a really good job to basically my S and P was basically a gamble. Um, but no one really, gave me any negative feedback when I, when I told them that I was quitting my job, even the the other teachers and the administration at my school, they were very supportive as well. Um, saying that like, Hey, we wish you would stay, but if, if this, if this is what you know, you want to do, then we'll support you. So I was very fortunate that I didn't really get any negativity when I, when I shared this with people. Yeah, that's nice. When, you submitted the this kind of fifth and final application cycle. What was that waiting process like to to finally go? Okay, no, I've, <laughs> I've kind of put it all out there. I, uh, I I'm retaking the MCAT or I got my score back at this point. My my master's degree is good. How, how did you end up doing with your master's? Uh, I got a 4.0 in my SMP. Right. So you crushed your SMP. Um, you're, you're back shadowing, getting clinical experience. Like you're doing it all, right? You're doing everything that Dr. Gray says to do with your activities and a personal statement, telling your story. What was that waiting period like before that interview came back? Um, it was really, <laughs> I mean, you know, I try, I'm really not the typical type A pre-med that I guess is stereotypical. Maybe if I was a little bit more, I wouldn't have had to apply five <laughs> times, but I think that I'm a much 
nicer person that I'm not. Um, but I was checking my email way too much. I was checking the, the you know, I, I agree with you on a lot about SDN, but I think the the school specific threads are, are pretty helpful as long as, you know, you push away that negativity. I was checking those way too much as well. Yep. Um, you gotta be careful with those threads too. Of I I've heard from, from admissions committee members that there's, there's a, a lot of false information in those school specific threads as well. Yes. I, I agree a hundred percent. Just take it, take everything with a grain of salt. Cause I, you know, it's, it's probably some pre-med in their basement that doesn't know what they're talking about. Like, how do you know? Um, it, but anyway, like, yeah, I, I was checking my email and those threads way too much. Just, um, you know, waiting on those interviews. And I got an interview. I think my first interview invite came in late August. So it wasn't necessarily in the first wave because, again, things got pushed back because of COVID. Um, and also my MCAT score didn't come back until um, until July. So I took it in June and my, my score came back in July. Um, so it, it was just, you know, that what they say, there's nothing to do but sit on your hands now. And it that's that's the hardest part, really, because it's just out of your hands at that point. Yeah, definitely. Uh, how many interviews did you end up getting this cycle? Uh, I've gotten nine. Wow. So huge change, right? From one interview way back in the day. Was that the only interview you had? That one that interview? Was, that was my only one. Yep. One interview way back in the day to nine now. What do you contribute? the biggest success to do you, do you think it's the the change in your gpa what what did you end up getting on the newest mcat uh 515 all right so you, you crushed the mcat you crushed your smp you're putting together a better story do you think it's just a kind of an amalgamation of all of those things that rolled into finally getting the success that that you deserved i, I really do and it, it seems so obvious when i say this but it's like really the difference was I put together the most complete application that I could. I really didn't have any blind spots. I had good rec letters. I had a good personal statement, good activity descriptions, good MCAT score, good GPA. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, my biggest piece of advice, which I know seems so obvious is, is put together the most complete application because before I was just focusing on one thing at a time, like, okay, maybe if I just get my MCAT score higher because I'm not in college anymore, um, only to realize the next year that my essays were just trash and then spending that cycle trying to write thoughtful essays only then to realize that it had been a couple of years since my last clinical experience and volunteering. Um, so it really was just the combination of telling my story and having all those things that you need to show medical schools that you are capable um, to, to get a shot. Well, how did you get that improvement in your MCAT score? So um, I'm not going to lie because uh, I was listening to the MCAT podcast and because my score or my, my, my test got pushed back three times. I was able to binge it like four times double speed. <laughs> um, so it, it really did really help. Um, the other thing too that um, I'll say again is that teaching, uh, I taught physics, chemistry, biology. Um, it, it seems strange that being a high school teacher would help with the MCAT, but a lot of the MCAT, like you've said on the MCAT podcast, really is foundational. Um, so I really didn't have to spend that much time reviewing like, kinematic equations or Newton's laws because I knew them, mm -hmm. I could spend more time 
focusing on how the AMC wrote their passages and asked questions, um, it, which I think is just as important as content review. Yeah. Um, so that definitely helps me improve. During my master's, I, I helped out in a research lab and a lot of my grad courses required reviewing um, scientific articles and that helped as well, um, reading the dense passages. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think all of those things together really contributed to to my vast improvement on the MCAT. Yeah. A lot of people mistakenly think being a reapplicant is a red flag and it's it's harder to be a reapplicant because of that. With nine interviews this cycle, how much did you have to explain why you applied to medical school so many times, why you took the MCAT so many times, why you're so far out of undergrad? How much did that come up? I really didn't get asked that a whole lot. And when it did come up, maybe in two or three interviews, it was always asked in, in, a, in a way like, what do you think was different from your struggles in undergrad to your, to, to your success in grad school? Or what did, what did you do differently between like your first MCAT attempt to now? It was always asked in that way. It was never like a scarlet letter that I had to explain. Um, Most of my interviewers, like, like you said, just wanted to have a conversation. They, They were very interested in my time teaching my time as a, as a baseball coach. Um, and, and things like that. They, they just wanted to get to know me that I really didn't have to explain myself a whole lot in terms of why I struggled in undergrad. Well, Michael, it's been a long journey for you. You're finally here starting medical school uh, in, in the upcoming year. What, what was that, that reaction like? What was that sensation feeling like for you to finally get that acceptance? I mean, I, I don't really think it's hit me yet. Um, it, it, again, it's just very validating that the hard work pays off. Um, like I said, like baseball has been a huge part of my life. And I, I had a baseball coach that used to say, like, do the little things right. And winning takes care of itself. And, um, you know, I did all the little things right this time. And, and the application kind of took care of itself. Um, but it, it's just very validating to know that, the hard work did pay off the the gamble by quitting my job to do the the SMP paid off as well. You know, um, it, 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 yeah, I don't think it's really truly hit me yet. Um, <laughs> that, that I will be starting medical school soon. Yeah. What words of wisdom do you have for the student out there struggling with retaking the MCAT or reapplying to medical school? Um, so a, a couple of things I would say, like definitely read, make it stick. If you're struggling in school, it, it, it really is phenomenal how much it helped me. And I think the other thing too, is to, that really helped me was to find little victories on the way. Like when I got a 506, like, yeah, everyone says, you know, tr- try for like a 508 or 510 that won't keep you out. So when I got the 506, I was pretty disappointed, but at the time that I took it, 506 was the 70th percentile. So, you know, I, I looked at it in a way I was like, dang, I did better than seven out of 10 people that took that test. Like, I'm not stupid because I got a 506. Like, I'm, I like, I'm smart. I know I have this in me. I just haven't figured it out yet. Mm. Um, same thing with the interview. Like, I really felt like I belonged. Yeah, it sucked that I didn't get in. But it, it was just another push to show me that I was capable. So I think um, try to look for little victories on the way. 
Um, you know, even if it's just a small improvement, just keep going. Um, and, and really if I can do it as someone who really struggled in undergrad, my first semester GPA was a 2.5. I got a 23 on my first two MCAT attempts. Really anyone can. All right. So there you have it again, a great story from Michael who on his fifth and final application cycle, nine interview invites, finally putting all of the pieces together to get that acceptance to medical school. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it gave you some encouragement that no matter what happens on your journey, if this is what you want, go for it. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.